Welcome to Cowboys, not Eggheads. Home of the brave, not home of the fearful. The world needs more cowboys and fewer eggheads. We're everywhere podcasts are found. So tell your fellow cowboys. And let's keep the conversation alive on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Remember to subscribe, rate, review, and share. And now, Cowboys, Not Eggheads, with Sam Fisher. Welcome to the podcast, John Seaton. One of the only people that's ever begged me to be on the show. So here he is, John Seaton, my friend of many years, my former business call, my third business partner that I've had on this podcast. Um, the man that I've always affectionately known uh, or referred to as the the busiest man in show business, the man that has the metabolism of a hummingbird, John Seaton. Now, John Seaton wanted to come on to this program. Is that correct? Am I that lying? That is correct. It is great. Okay. Great to finally be here. Yes, yes. And of course, he's never even listened to an episode. And so it's very I interesting. Listen to your first two podcasts. Oh, he's listened to the first two. That's nice. We have 50 episodes. He listened to the first two two years ago. Has no idea any of the dialogue I've done in the last two years. And so he wanted to be on. So I had to come up with a premise for you to be on. So I figured it out the other night. Now I've not shared with the world what this premise is with Seton, but well, actually I did. Uh, we're gonna ask him 10 tough questions and we're gonna call this thing, you 10 tough questions with you wanted the best, you got the best. So thank you for being here, John Seton. Thank you for having me. You're, you're such a good sport. Question number one, why did you wanna be on this podcast so badly? Well, it seemed like this was uh, something very important to you, something that you put a lot of time into. Uh, you were passionate about it. Spin, you and I have spin. known each Tell other me for the a real very reason. long time. And uh, if I'm being honest, I felt a little left out when a lot of people I know were on it and I wasn't even asked. Okay, now we're being honest. <laughs> that That is it. Fist bump, bro. Yeah, he, he felt left out. So that's why he wanted to be on the podcast. Very good, very good. Is John Seaton a cowboy or is John Seaton an egghead? Now you listen to the first two episodes where we laid those those. Mm -hmm. Now you're gonna have to, you know, go back two years and remember what we talked about. I think there's a perception because of kind of the way I sound, because of my stature. Uh, and now just keep in mind, world, that we I, he this is this this gentleman is a is a, from Berkeley, California. He's Jewish. He went to uh, the University of Colorado, my mother's alma mater. Go Buffs. Uh, he's, a, he's, a, he's a Buffaloes fan, and he is a Republican operative. So he's an interesting dude. So I, I, I consider myself a cowboy. Uh, I consider myself somebody who um, I might not have, I may not be a master strategist or the greatest tech tactician. I'm not Carl Rove for people who are interested in Republican politics or James Carville, but I will um, put in the work. I will go it alone if I have to, and I'll get the job done. And I think when you talk about what a cowboy is, that's what that's what you look for in a cowboy. So yeah, I think so. Yeah, so I would consider myself a cowboy. More cowboy than more. more You've cowboy got a little leg in sure. everybody. Sure, like okay. we all do. Yeah, yes, we do. Yes, we do. Okay. Why do you admire me so much? You have a code, you live by it, you don't waver from it. You still like the Raiders for some reason. Uh, you <laughs> are, um, you're loyal, 
and a lot of reasons. You got me into Meridian for some reason. Uh, <laughs> and uh, no, I look, I, I, I think when you kind of choose, you get to be an adult and you we have fewer friends as adults as, than we do as kids and you, you kind of gravitate towards people who share the same values that you do and, and live life the way you do. And I think that you and I actually, despite many differences, have a lot in common at our core. Yeah, a lot more. I don't know what our differences are, honestly. Um, we like to we like to squabble some. Yeah. And thank you very much for answering that question with a straight face. <laughs> I told him beforehand that every question was serious here, and it was not meant as a joke. So thank you for not laughing. It was a very it was a, a lovely answer. I didn't take. Thank it as a you. Joke. Yes, sir. He was spinning, but thank you. It was very good spin in my benefit. Thank you. If I were president of the United States. What role would you, John Seaton, play in my administration? I'd probably be your caddy. Caddy? My golf <laughs> caddy? Really? If we get to go out, play golf, drink beer, argue about politics, it'd be fantastic. Really? That's all you'd want to be? I'm president. You're not going to call me and say, hey, I'd, I'd like you to consider me for this position. Well, I probably ran your campaign. And you probably paid me very, very well. And uh, yeah, I think that's about right. I mean, we could, we could, we could, we could find a gig in the West Wing if you wanted to keep me around. Uh, some sort of course, of a, I would. A, 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 a counselor. Um, I look. I, I've uh, I've had the opportunity, I've had the honor to work um, for one presidential administration, both at an agency as well as. In the White so you kind of know what it, how it's all put yeah. together. I don't. I have never worked for the White House. You have. And I think one thing I learned, and, and, and again, I was not a high-level staffer. I was a mid-level staffer. No, but, but you could say that you worked I at the White, the White House. House. Proximity matters. Exactly. So I would want to – I don't. what I'd want is no matter what the job was, I'd want to be able to come in if I had something to say. I'd want Oval Office privileges. Ah, okay. Fair enough. Who is a better – President, a cowboy or an egghead? Wow. Cowboy. George W. Bush, Ronald Reagan, two of the best we've ever had. And who was an example of an egghead president? Barack Obama. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I remember reading a quote. But he was kind of cowboyish himself there, buddy. I mean, he, he, he did a lot of things that people didn't do. He was, a, he, he was a pioneer. I remember seeing a quote. This was during his first term, and I, I, I and I'll, I'll find it and send it. Cause I don't remember where exactly I saw it, but it, it stuck with me because he was it was it was either a memo or he said it out loud to one of his advisors, and he said, "If only people could understand all the good that I'm doing for them." And to me, that like sums up kind of an egghead. Like, yeah, they just don't. Get they it. have to eggheads have to be uh, adored, right? And and, yes. and and he didn't understand. He just. I'm doing all this great stuff. Why don't they get it? Right. And that's on you, buddy. Like, right. You know. So are most of our presidents cowboys or eggheads? We've had 46 of them now. 46 of them. Uh, I'm not a presidential historian, but just off the top of my head, I think most were cowboys. I agree. I think most were cowboys. I agree. The leaders of this country. That's right. 100%. You have to be brave. You kind of have to do it alone sometimes. bold. Yeah. You have to be bold. Mm Mm-hmm. Who is the favorite? Who is your favorite person you work for in your career? Hmm. Hmm. Oh, stop! 
This is the one question he really wanted to answer, so go ahead and give it to us. Well, I mean, my, my, my hero is John McCain. I worked for him uh, from 2007 and eight when he ran for president. Uh, some people may remember we fell short. Um, and then I had the opportunity to work for him in 2010 at his reelect, uh, 2016 for his last reelect. And then the, uh, the sad honor of um, helping to plan and execute on his memorial in Arizona when we uh, gave him one final send off. Uh, he was my hero and I think exemplifies what, what leadership is. Okay, well, that's John Seaton's resume, but tell, you knew the guy. I mean, you knew him, and he knew you. And he said, he's, you know, when he saw you, he said, hi, John. Or he said, John, what the hell's hey, going on? Jerk. Yeah. Or, or whatever. Yeah. So tell us how you, I mean, what was that like, intimately knowing? I mean, I can put on my resume, I work for the Bush administration, too. Sure. But I don't know George W. Bush. You actually, I mean, you actually know or knew John McCain. I did. And so why, for instance, why was he misunderstood? Why is he so misunderstood? I believe he's one of the most misunderstood uh, people in the last 20 years. He didn't spend a lot of time. This is not spin, but it's also true. I mean, maybe it sounds like spin, but it is true. He, he didn't spend a lot of time polishing his resume or, or he wasn't, I mean, he was on every Sunday show you could ever ask, but he didn't spend a lot of time trying to like beg people to like him. Um, what you saw was what you got. I mean, I, I, I did see him in private moments. I saw him on television. I saw him at the Republican National Convention. That's who he was. Um, and I admired that about him, but it just was, it's just, it's just who he was. And you know what? Take it or leave it. Um, but what stuck with me about him, and again, this was what he would say in private if he were, had, were here, just the three of us, or if he were, again, speaking to a large crowd, is that to him, what service meant was, living your life in the service of something greater than your own self-interest. And to me, that um, has stuck with me because you, um, we, you know, we all have limited time here and we can just, you know, try to make all the money we can or amass all the power we can or date all the women, whatever, whatever your metric is for success, personal success, but you take none of that with you. But if you can, Live your life in the service of something greater than yourself. That's legacy, and that's sorry. That stays. Right. That stays after you're gone. And so that, and I think he's a living testament of that. He's been gone for five years now, and we're still talking about him. When we still kind of are 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 fortunate that he was that he was with us. So here's an interesting question. He was a man that, if you strayed from what he thought was within his principles, um. He didn't take kindly to it, and he'd, mm. he'd let you know about it. He'd let the public know about it. Two example. One example comes to mind, and that is Chuck Hagel. Yeah, they think they had a complicated relationship. I'm yeah. sure when when Senator McCain died, they probably I don't know if they reconciled or not, but my guess is they. I, 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 I don't know. know. You don't I know. I don't know. No. So I mean that that was I think that's a good example of of Hagel just kind of. Well, I think Hagel broke his back when he supported McCain for president, and then all of a sudden he ran ran to Bush. I don't know that that happened in 2000, did it not? That was 2000. I don't think that sat well with him. Okay. And when Hagel was uh, nominated as the uh, Secretary of Defense, yeah. that was a rough hearing. Yes. Um, between old Vietnam friends. Right. He- Any comments about that? 
I don't think McCain ever questioned um, Hegel's, uh, what do I want to say, motives. I think he thought he was a patriot. In fact, during those same hearings when I believe Senator Cruz was really going after Hegel, McCain said, wait a minute. Yeah, stop. He's, he's a patriot. Right. He's, he's a patriot. But I think a lot of what we, I think it was complicated, and I think you know they 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 differed greatly on matters of foreign policy. They differed greatly on the Iraq War. They differed greatly on the surge. And and um, McCain was going to speak his mind, and I think he really thought that Hegel's view, possibly informed by his time in Vietnam, was just the wrong direction for American foreign policy. And it was, they, they, they just passionately disagreed. And I honestly don't know if they ever reconciled before McCain passed. So one of the things interesting is that one of his closest friends was Lindsey Graham. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of interesting to see the, the, the path of Senator Graham as of the last six or eight years. Um, Senator Graham is supporting the reelection or excuse me, supporting the presidential campaign of Donald J. Trump, yeah. which surprises me a great deal. What would McCain say about that? I I think McCain's view on Trump was president, former President Trump uh, was, was was pretty clear. I think he he and Senator Graham disagreed on that. I still think they they remained friends until the well, senators died. McCain day. was friends with with uh, Biden, was he yes, not? Yes, he was friends with Biden. Biden eulogized him in Phoenix. Right. Yeah. So. Um, it was a good example, and that this really is lost in a lot of American politics. You could disagree fiercely with somebody and still be their friend. We just don't see that very much, yeah, anymore. You used to, you don't see that very much anymore, and it's probably too bad. Yeah, you can get a lot more done if you again kind of recognize the the common good in somebody. Well, I mean, I, I you know, Orrin Hatch and Ted Kennedy were pals. That's right. Like, you're like, what? Yeah. And Absolutely. That, it doesn't exist anymore. Um, well, I just, I just, yeah. that, that's a tough question. Thanks for sure. answering it. That's a real yeah. tough one. <laughs> uh, what was your worst mistake as a political operative or as a business owner or in business or? Um, that's a really good question. It's very tough to it answer. It's very tough. We're never uh, supposed like, to admit any mistakes. Yeah, of but course, of course. My God, we're we all make, human. We all, we all make we all make mistakes. You know, look, I think that I mean, I, I I don't know if this is my worst mistake. I think a couple of times just misreading the political landscape on a on a on a race. Uh, think of one. I won't say the candidate's name, but uh, this was in the 2020 cycle. And interestingly enough, you had an at least I had kind of an intuition of the right way to go, but all, at least the available data said go another way, and we went with the data. And I do wonder if I had just trusted my gut a little bit if it would have been a different result. Um, that's, well, that's, one that, that's one that sticks with me because I had that, you know, that, that kind of fleeting moment you have, maybe we ought to do this. And it's like, no, because everything else is saying we should do that. And so yeah. we do that, and then... We well, short. the 2016 presidential election was the most interesting I've ever been through. I yes, mean, was. I was absolutely fooled on that one. Um, you know, and it's um, the data. I mean, I don't know about it. We're, now we're getting into an egg that egghead thing. But right. we, you and I made a lot of strategic decisions based on data. It's right. very egghead. It's the most egghead thing you can do in politics is right. poll. And 
polling, um, I don't even know where, I mean, I've been out of it for two years. And I know it's from the years 2012 to when I got out, it, it, it changed dramatically. Yeah. And, um, you know, you, 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 the 16 election, there are actual respondents to polls that would not say they supported Trump simply because they didn't want anybody to know that they were supporting Trump. Right. Fascinating dynamic. Mm-hmm. What are your What are your thoughts about the old anti? Is polling antiquated? Is it? Do you use it differently now than you ever did? Is it? Is it? Uh, what are your thoughts on the egghead methodology of polling? I just think you need to be very careful. You have to really drill down if you have if you're a campaign that has money to do focus groups to get kind of qualitative data to be able to read people's body language. I mean, you need to like all data, you know, cut down to it. It's like people talk about statistics and sports. All statistics is is all the stuff that happened when you weren't watching, right? That's yes, what, that's what data is. Well, I can talk to you about your uh, it's, but I can't the, talk to my favorite three hundred million people. My favorite quote is it's it's like a bikini. It it shows shows you a lot, but not everything. Mm-hmm. That's another way to put it. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, you you still need data because you can't have individual conversations with 300 million people. So how do you have how do you get your data these days? Can I, is that a top secret of yours? Or no, I mean, I mean, there's, I mean, there's, there's, I mean how to uh, polling? You know, over the years it's gone from. Uh, you know, we used to just call people at home. Yeah, uh, that's long. I mean, if you don't, if you don't have, I don't know, uh, fifty to sixty to seventy percent of your samples got to be cell phones. Cell phone, text and it's more expensive that way yeah. for a variety of reasons I won't go into. But uh, that was one change that was made. But you know, there are, there are multiple ways to to obtain data. Are you implementing things outside of the regular? Pull, uh, you know the, you know the, the four hundred person sample. Are you, are you going, are you doing uh, digital surveys mm-hmm. to supplement your absolutely. data? Absolutely, okay. absolutely. I think you have to. I think you have to do. All, you have to do all of it. You have to find people where they are. People, people if they don't recognize a phone number unless they're you know seventy plus. A lot, not everybody. I don't want to paint too broad a brush, but a lot of people just want to answer the phone, right? So <coughs> nobody answers the phone. If you don't know who's calling, and so you have to find. Well, even if you know who's calling, you don't answer the damn phone. (laughs) You have to make a damn appointment. Some people, it's It's like you almost the pollster's got to you know text somebody. Hey, can you can you take this call in five minutes? Right. So I mean, it's it's insane. It is it is it is it is harder and harder to get people on the phone. So finding other ways to do it is important. Supplementing that with focus groups is important. I mean, you can't do just one thing and think that you're getting all the answers. And I think the other thing you're seeing in the polling industry, which is very concerning is the number of, you know, kind of, I'll call them fly-by-night pollsters who use either robocalls or other very cheap methods. They sell their polls cheap, and those are picked up by the media because the media needs stuff to talk about. And so you have to be very, very careful in terms of what what data you're you're trusting at all. And even then, be skeptical. I trust my data because I'm paying for it, and I'm I'm controlling it to the extent that I'm putting those, those, those things in motion. Question uh, question of the year of the podcast. You don't know what it is since you don't listen to my freaking podcast. <coughs> my listeners will know what it is. John Seaton, do you feel, do you think, or do you know? All of the above. Oh, I see. How convenient. <laughs> well, some things I know. What do you know? I know I love my daughters. Very good. Uh... <coughs> when you when you when you make decision when you look at a decision, 
what which which one of those three things do you do you use? The older I feel you, like. Uh, oh look. my god! Yeah, I can't stand that. I know. I don't like feel that. anything. I feel a hot stove. <laughs> I I feel that's hot. I'm going to remove my hand now. But I don't. I don't make decisions based on feel. I really don't. You don't? No. I mean, there's gut. There's right. gut. That's gut. That's but feel. Feel is. I don't express. It's it's unbelievable in, in television programs and in, in conversations. All these younger people, even to management manage them, you have to say things like, "Well, I feel like you need to look at it this way." No, what are you talking about? I don't feel anything. I know he's got to look at it differently. See what I find, or I think that he needs to look at it differently. I think that's an interesting point. What I find with especially younger people is that they are. The cliche is sometimes wrong, but never in doubt. And I think that what I, when I, when we manage people, I try to get people away from making absolutist statements. Oh, everybody thinks this. Oh, nobody thinks that. Well, and I know this is not an answer question, but you know, I'm talking now. So no, 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 you're venting. This is and, good. Yeah, uh, and so I think that there's, I think that there's, and maybe it's our generation did it too. I don't remember. I mean, I was probably. I know it all. Listen, when 20s. I was 23, yeah. from ages of 23 to 38, I, I. And I was pretty experienced by the time I was 33, 34. Yeah. I sure said, I never told anyone that I had all the information. I was in politics for 32 freaking years. Right. And I, I have no, I don't, never had all the answers. Right. And I think that that's a big change with the new generation. There's such a degree of certitude, even if, even, if, no, no way you, you, you know what's going to happen. And I think part of the problem is because they're just so, you know, every day there's a new opinion and there's a new thing out there and, and our, our attention spans are so short that I can say tomorrow, I know so-and-so is going to be the president of the United States. It's going to happen. And then they're not, and there's no consequence for being just so incredibly certain about something and just being wrong. I, you brought up an interesting point there. Our attention spans are so sport, yeah. short. Mine are, is too. It's ridiculous. I mean, it's, 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 it's well, it's getting better now that I've retired. But you know, early on in my career, I had certainly had an attention span. But social media and everything else, and this stupid phone that we look at all day, right. is is created this environment where um, our attention span is very short. And so maybe that's why people say I feel because it's, it's 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 what you're feeling right now. So, I, but I say I think based on you know me being fifty four years old and seeing the world once or twice, or you know, experience. I have yeah, more experience. Because the last time I used the, you know, I feel, and I think it's been oh, you, more, more than you think. I've used it in this podcast, not even knowing. Not even knowing. It's like, what did I just say? You, I think you say it a lot, and I, you don't I, realize I, that I you probably do. do. But I would like to think that I use it when it is like something that I feel, not that I like. Again, more of a gut feeling as opposed well, to something that I'm intuition is different than what these people I think they're not saying it's intuition they're saying I feel like they use feel and think interchangeably right so right okay and I just don't I don't I'm I don't watch out for that that doesn't compute for okay me. fair it, enough it doesn't it doesn't right. okay I'm going to give you a superpower and you're going to tell me what you're going to do with that superpower John Seaton I am now going to make you invisible what are you going to do one hell of a question, isn't it? Is, it? That is. It's a, it's a, that's, I, I got a that from a 15-year-old podcaster this year, and I thought it was fantastic. Because you start thinking about that. You feel about it. I you think about it. You know it. I'm thinking about where I'd, you know, again, I'm, I'm, I'm an older man now. Maybe when I was younger, I'd do something inappropriate. But, you know, as, a, as an older person, I'd like to be. That's exactly where your mind went, didn't it? 
It went to sixth grade look going into the locker room, didn't it? Maybe. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. I haven't asked a female that question this year. I'm, I guarantee it's not to go into our locker room. No, 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 no. no. Uh, yeah, I would, I would, I would say either. I don't know. I, 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 it, certainly, it'd be interesting to like go into the White House and, and listen and then sit in like right. a, a, a strategy session in the Oval, of course, no right. matter who's president. Just. How are those decisions being made? Right. That would be fascinating. Right. And then, you know, It'd obviously, scare the heck out of me we're both really huge sports fans, so how cool would it be oh. to be in the Super Bowl locker room five minutes before kickoff? Yeah. Amazing, right? Yeah. Uh, Good answer. The, 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 those are the kind of places I think I'm like Excellent. To be. Yeah, most people won't answer it. Okay. Like, I just, it only lead to I bad. I can't answer it. Yeah. Uh, I My answer to the question, which I think is only fair because it's difficult, is, is similar to yours, isn't yeah. it? I would... You know, I would follow around somebody I admire right. for a month and right. just get the, you know, like, are they really this great all the time? Or how, yeah. how do they wired or how do they tick? That's that's how that's what I would use it sure. for. Yeah. But it's a tough. It's a tough question. Yeah. Isn't it? But I'm glad. We're pretty good. Pretty similar. good at this, yeah, huh, Seaton? Yeah, not too bad. Yeah, baby. Yeah. John Seaton, uh, we're at our 22 minutes. It's for 25 minutes. Uh, is there anything else you'd like You're to add? Hard time finding something. Hey, 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 now, that wasn't so gold, bad, baby. was it? No, it's been great. This anything been else you'd like to add about me? <laughs> You're a good man, and I look forward to this podcast being around many, many more years. So I can you better many, promote many the thing like you told me again. I will, I will absolutely do so. All right. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. Uh, I have a new feature. If you go to cowboys.eggheads.com, you can click on a little button that says support the show. And if you support the show with $3, $4, $5 a month, you will get, John Seaton, any merchandise of your choice. Uh, and if, you know, over six months, I'll continue to send you merchandise. And I'm also going to give these listeners some uh, opportunities that other listeners don't have. Like, hey, you know John Seaton. What are the 10 questions you would ask John Seaton? So, it will be fun, and so I encourage people to do that. Get her done, John Zeden. Get her done. Thanks, Sammy. Cheerio. Enjoy it. <laughs>